Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So how do you make money from the blog? This is an excellent question. I teach my students... I think it's around, it's like nine or 10 different ways to make money from a blog. There are so many different ways to do it. The first that I started exploring when I started my journey was affiliate marketing. The second is influencer marketing or sponsored content. And way number three of so many that exist for how you can monetize a blog is through monetizing your traffic with ads. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. 
So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Super, super duper excited to be here with y'all for this impromptu live today. I felt like, you know what? It's been a while. It's been a while since I've been on here on live. And so I've invited y'all to ask questions and I will be happy to answer your questions. So let's hang out. I know there's already some in here. So let's dive right in because we got a lot to cover. So the first one is, is blogging dead? And It always cracks me up because I'm like, y'all probably don't even realize like how often you're actually reading a blog when you go online. A lot of people say, well, I don't read blogs. And I'm like, I promise you that you do because some of the biggest websites in the world, like Business Insider is technically a blog, y'all. Yes, it's a news website, but it's technically a blog. Like the way that a blog is structured is essentially a website that just has the most current posts at the top. And it goes down in chronological order from newest to oldest. That's what a blog is. When people say, you know, isn't blogging dead? Like, what's the point of this? I always tell them when you're going on a search engine or you're going on your phone for information, are you really like going on Instagram and searching for where you should be traveling or what restaurant you want to eat at or what pair of shoes you want to buy or what kind of pet breed is best for living in an apartment? No, you're not doing that shit on social because social platforms are terrible search engines. Like they're very hard to search unless you have a specific hashtag that you're looking for or you already know the specific business or the handle that you're looking for. Most of us do when we go on the internet, when we conduct searches is we go on a search engine like Google. And so when I hear folks say that blogging is dead, I'm like, but you're probably on Google like multiple times a day looking for information that you're getting from blogs. So I don't understand where that concept comes from. What I think people are confused about is like, is this still a viable way to create content, to create a business? And I always tell folks, look, you have two options, especially as a digital business owner. Essentially, it's like you're going to go and rely on social media to generate all your traffic and hope that, you know, the algorithm doesn't screw you over or that you don't get locked out of your account or that you don't get reported as spam or whatever. And you're going to put all this work into a platform and put all your eggs in that basket, or you're going to diversify the same way that you should diversify your income. And you're going to have your social presence, but you're also going to have a blog, a website, a self-hosted website that is essentially the home base for your content. And why is this important? Well, we don't actually own none of this. Like my 46,000 followers on Instagram, if Instagram decides to be like, you know what? We don't like your shit. We're going to shut it down. Like I can't do anything about it. And I actually had this happen a couple of months ago where I was demonetized because their algorithm flagged my account for an unknown reason, which when I contacted customer service and finally got in touch with somebody, they were like, oh, my bad the algorithm screwed you up. You didn't do anything, right? And so just knowing that like they have that ultimate power over you is crazy. And that's why I hate just relying on social media. So how do you make money from the blog? This is an excellent question. I teach my students 
I think it's around, it's like nine or 10 different ways to make money from a blog. There are so many different ways to do it. The first that I started exploring when I started my journey was affiliate marketing. What is affiliate marketing? So affiliate marketing is essentially when you promote a product or service that already exists to your audience. And so as a blogger, what you can do is you can create blog posts that serve as essentially resource websites or resource posts that can talk about a product. Like, let's say that I wanted to write a blog post about my favorite tools for content creation on social media. So I could become an affiliate for Canva and talk about how Canva is like the best tool ever for creating social media content. And I can put in my affiliate link in that blog post. And then when somebody clicks on the link and signs up for Canva, I get a portion of the sale. So I get a commission for having folks sign up through my link. So that's one way that you can make money as a blogger. The second is influencer marketing or sponsored content. So, you know, sponsored content is like that thing that you see people go on social media, they do a TikTok or they do, you know, a post or whatever. You can also do sponsored content as a blogger. With my food blog, I've done sponsored content for companies like Walmart, Publix, Crock-Pot, Hunt's, the list goes on and on. And essentially, I would join influencer marketing networks they would have a bunch of listings of different opportunities that I could apply to. And based on, you know, who I wanted to work with, what they were paying, what the deliverables were, I would literally pitch myself. The company would respond, be like, okay, cool, let's collab. And I would create the sponsored blog post, have it approved by their team, create some social content and get paid. So that's way number two. And way number three of so many that exist for how you can monetize a blog is through monetizing your traffic with ads. So this is something that I do strictly with my food blog at this point. I'm not doing any sponsored content. I do have an affiliate store with Amazon. So I basically have a shop section of my food blog where I have set up an online store and there's a bunch of different kitchen utensils and equipment that you can purchase from Amazon using uh, customized affiliate links that I have. And so whenever somebody purchases something from my Amazon store, I get paid a commission. But the majority of my income as a blogger now with delishdelights.com is ad income. So I am a member of an ad monetization company called AdDrive. And they're basically like the top tier ad company that you can work with as a blogger. Their payouts are higher than anybody at this point. And so because I have so many people that visit my website, it's about 4 million readers a year, I monetize that traffic with ads. So in exchange for folks not having to pay for my content, they pay, right, by being subjected to ads. So it's kind of like, you know, how you watch TV and in between commercials, that's how the TV station pays for the bills. So it's the same concept as a blogger. So those ads are paying for the content that you're consuming. And so that's just a couple of different ways that you can monetize a blog. There's a lot of different other ways, but that's some things to help you start to understand how people actually make money doing this. Next question. What are your best ways to sharpen your SEO skills? Okay, so first of all, what is SEO? SEO stands for search engine optimization, and it's essentially the science of showing up on search engines. Search engine optimization is 
what I teach, like that's honestly what I consider like the core of my program because it's the most powerful way that you can drive free organic traffic to your blog. Now, search engine optimization doesn't just apply to blogs. I apply the principles of SEO to my podcast and that's why I feel like it's grown that quickly. I also apply it to my social content. Basically, my brain thinks in SEO all the time. So it's like, what can I use with regards to keywords what can I use with regards to specific niche terminology, how I structure things, how I frame things that is going to help me show up on Google? One of my favorite free resources is Yoast.com. Yoast is a plugin that bloggers use in order to optimize their blogs for search engine optimization. Completely free. And essentially, they have an academy that you can go and take classes on SEO for free. They're not going to charge you nothing. And SEO is a skill that a lot of people are willing to pay for. So this is also a great opportunity for you to explore potentially becoming an SEO expert and then selling your expertise. Because there's a lot of business owners who know that they need to focus on SEO, but they also don't have time to learn about that shit. And they're just like, can I hire somebody? So yes, you can actually become a, a marketing specialist that specializes in SEO and like make bank. So that's again, yoast.com. Check out their free academy. You can go and start learning about SEO there. Next question. What's the best way to promote a blog? So SEO, y'all are going to hear me continue to say this. Search engine optimization is the best way to promote your blog. On top of that, I love if I had to pick one social media platform to focus in on for promoting your blog, it's definitely Pinterest. Pinterest is not as much of a social media platform as it is an algorithm. Pinterest is a super duper important tool to use as a blogger to grow your traffic. And I have a whole module dedicated to Pinterest in one of my sections of my course because it's so important to utilize not only Pinterest, but potentially also YouTube too as a way to continue to expand the reach of your blog. What site do you recommend for blogging? Do not even bother starting a blog that you want to monetize with ads if it's not using WordPress.org. WordPress.org is the industry standard for the actual like operating system, if you will, that bloggers use. And so no Squarespace, no Wix, none of that shit. It has to be WordPress.org. Do you face burnout when blogging? I'm so glad you asked this because one of the modules that I have in my course is around how to create a content strategy. When we're thinking about starting a business and it doesn't have to be a blog, it can be any business, burnout is real. This idea that like we can just go, 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 go forever and like nothing bad can happen, that's a lie. So I think it's important as a blogger or as a business owner in general to structure your time in a way that is going to allow you to also rest. When I first started my blog about six months after I got laid off and so I had all the time in the world. I was sitting my ass at home, you know, thinking about the meaning of life. And so I took those three months to go ham, learn all the things, do all the things. I was blogging every day, multiple times a day, because I had the bandwidth to be able to do that. Now, once I went back to work, wasn't that easy anymore, right? So I would have to pick certain days of the week where I was going to work on the blog. Maybe I would have to do it on the weekends or in the evenings. So making sure that you are building in your business goals to your overall schedule is super important. You have to treat your business goals the same way that you would treat any other goals, like whether that's a fitness goal, a money goal, whatever your goals are, you have to accommodate them. If you don't, it's not going to happen. Is burnout probably going to happen? Yeah, if you don't balance things out and you don't give yourself the breathing room 
to work on the things that you want to work on. But I think it's also important to build in rest. I always tell my students, I took the year of 2017 off from blogging. Like I did not do anything because I had just bought a house. I was hella depressed. I was in a psychiatrist's office on a weekly basis. I'm like, I don't have, you know, when I'm stressed the fuck out, I don't have the creative juices flowing. I don't have the capacity to create anything. And so I was like, this is not going to work for me right now. I can't be doing this. And so taking time off of the things that you're working on is totally fine, but you should always come back to it when you're ready. You know, don't just like think to yourself, oh, well, it's been too long, so I'm not even going to bother. I took an entire year off and then I came back and it made more money than ever. Okay, so take the breaks when you have to and structure your time so that you can actually give your best. Don't give the scraps. Don't give your blog or your business the leftovers, like make it a priority. Do I ever get writer's block? Yeah, I absolutely have gotten writer's block. And when I do, I usually try to do something to get out of my routine. I find that writer's block is usually caused because I have gotten too in my head and I need like creative inspiration. So when it comes to the food blog, typically what opens up my brain is like going to travel or going to like, because it's food related, I like going to a new restaurant, checking out influencers online. You know, there's always like new food trends that are like happening on TikTok and everywhere. I follow some food influencers that are always doing some cool stuff. So when I get around the creativity of other people, and just like new environments, that opens up my mind. And the same thing happens to me too when it comes to content creation here on Yo Quiero Dinero. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm fucking tired. The world is burning. I don't have the energy to create content. So what do I do? I rely on older content. I will scroll back to the beginnings of the feed. I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to go pull this old content, go and repurpose it. Because sometimes like you're just tired. Writer's block will happen. And there are ways to get around it. My favorite way is to repurpose old content. Because sometimes it's like, yo, the world is fucking burning. I can't make a TikTok right now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., 
and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Also, I want to mention this too, because this was a question that came up during my last live Q&A with my students in my blogging bootcamp. They were like, how do I not get overwhelmed with creating content? You know, because I'm doing the blog. How am I also supposed to do like social media content? Some of them are doing podcasts and blogs. And one thing that I told them is like that blog post that you write can become like 17 different types of content. You can decide I'm going to use this blog post that I wrote and I'm going to read it on camera as a podcast episode. And then I can take little snippets of that blog post content that has been recorded as a video and make a TikTok or make a reel or make a YouTube short. I can also take this blog post and do a carousel post on Instagram where I'm breaking down the major points that are contained in the blog post. I'm teasing it. And then I'm telling folks, hey, come and read the whole post. Here's a little preview of what we talk about. There are so many different ways to repurpose one piece of content. So that's also another strategy that I think is really important. If you're a content creator, a business owner, just working on your marketing and trying to maximize the use of your time, repurpose that shit. Okay. So what is the difference between WordPress.org and WordPress.com? Great question. So WordPress.org is a free open source software that is essentially the most, I think 60% of websites on the internet use the wordpress.org framework. WordPress.com is a paid hosting service that uses the WordPress framework, but it's not a self-hosted website. So I think when it comes to the differences, what I always tell folks is stay away from wordpress.com because you're not, it's almost like creating another version of a website like with Wix or Squarespace where it's not a hundred percent yours. What I tell people is do a self-hosted website. You can pick any number of web hosts, some like Bluehost, Dreamhost, SiteGround, GoDaddy, etc. Pick one of those host platforms and have them install the WordPress framework on your website and then you have a blog. That's how you get started. I'm going to go back here and address a couple more questions that I've gotten about blogging real quick. One of the ones that I get a lot from people is like, what if I'm not good at writing? And like, look, that's just called imposter syndrome, y'all. None of us are great at anything when we start off a business. You know, we don't come out of the womb being like excellent writers, freaking super creative content creators. We don't come out as experts. So I don't know why you think like you need to be an expert on day one to run your business, to start your blog. You don't. What you need to do is be committed to the growth, be committed to learning, be committed to making mistakes and improving every single day. Go back sometimes and take a look at like my first blog posts and they're fucking hideous. Hideous, honey. Okay. The pictures were terrible. The grammar was awful. The structure was atrocious. And it's not anymore. Why? Because you learn, you practice, you grow. Like, how do you think you get fucking good at anything? You think like Serena Williams and Tiger Woods and LeBron James and all these people, you think they were like excellent athletes from day one? 
No, they practice. And it's the same shit for you in business as a blogger. Like you have to be okay with knowing your false posts may be cringy. Okay. Absolutely. Cringe is the emotion that I feel whenever I look at my old social media con Yo, yo, go, go back and look at like my first reels, my first Instagram lives, fucking tragic. Okay. <laughs> Everything is tragic, but it's also just like that lets you see the growth. You can't see the growth if you never start point blank period. So get over it. Like I love you, but get over it. Go do the damn thing. Go show up imperfectly. Go be messy. Go and embarrass yourself. That's how we do it. And then one day you'll be like, oh shit, we glowed up, honey. We glowed. <laughs> All right. So another question is, so how do you pick your niche? I always get folks who are like, but I love so many things. I want to talk about all the things. I want to do all the things. I'm so excited about all these things. That's great. You can absolutely be a multi-passionate person. But when it comes to starting a blog in 2022 and beyond, I'm going to need you to niche down. Okay. And the reason why is because there's already so much existing content out there that if you're just going to go and do the same shit that everybody else is doing, you're going to have a hard time. That's not to say that you can't enter a field that is very saturated and not stand out. And I think a perfect example of this is Yo quiero dinero. If you just told somebody a couple years ago, I'm going to start a personal finance podcast, they'll be like, okay, what's special about that? There's a million fucking people talking about money. But when you say, I'm going to start a personal finance podcast for Latinas, and you do a quick search and you realize, oh shit, this doesn't exist. That's how you know you found the niche. Okay. It's not about that big umbrella term like, you know, investing or personal finance or food. It's about the subsection of that that you're going to serve. So when it comes to food, I decided I'm going to hone in on Puerto Rican food. Why? Because I knew anecdotally there's probably one book. We have, we as Puerto Ricans have one book that we refer to as like the cookbook of cookbooks that everybody gets handed down to. It's called Cocina Criolla. And they have an English version and they have a Spanish version. That's like literally the only well-known Puerto Rican cookbook that exists. So I knew off the bat, you know, we don't have a ton of people writing down and sharing Puerto Rican recipes. So that was clue number one that I'm like, this might be the niche. Then I went online. I did some Google searches. I was like Puerto Rican bloggers found maybe like three. And I think that's being overly optimistic. And from that point, I knew there's enough space in here for me to show up. And so doing that initial research and figuring out, okay, let's say I want to do travel. Okay, but who do I want to encourage to travel? Who am I going to help with my travel blog? Is it going to be solo travelers who are the ages of 40 and up? Is it going to be trans folks who want to know where we can travel without feeling threatened? Is it going to be first generation travelers who want to experience the world that they couldn't because their parents didn't have any money? So, you know, maybe they're like on a lower budget. Is it black women? Is it, you know, gay couples? Is it Latinas? Like, that's what I want you to think about. It's not just about like what, but who. What and who is the niche? Does that make sense? I think, you know, a lot of people psych themselves out of starting a business, of starting a blog, of starting a podcast, of doing anything because they're just like, well, there's so much competition. But I promise you, if you get to the nitty gritty of things, 
There's not. There's a lot of content for people who are the majority, but not for folks like us. There is not a lot of people who are serving communities who are ignored, who are marginalized, who are on the outer, you know, bands of society. So that's who I need you to think about who you're helping. Like a travel blog that helps people who are undocumented, fucking brilliant. Does that exist? I don't think so, but it should because there's plenty of people who need that information. So this is like some of the things that I'm thinking about when I encourage my students, like just because it doesn't exist doesn't mean it's not important. You can't search for something that doesn't exist. You get it? Okay, good. I'm glad y'all are, you're picking up what I'm putting down. What if you don't have a specific food niche? I'm just posting American <laughs> recipes, I guess. Okay, so Kelsey, it doesn't have to be like a culture per se. It can be a specific dietary. Dietary niches are also a big thing too, right? You can think of keto, whole 30, low fat, high fiber for folks who have um, like Crohn's disease or IBS, like low, what is that? Low inflammation diets, right? There's a lot of different niches within food that have nothing to do with a culture, but they can be with a specific diet or fast foods for busy people. Absolutely. So like 30 minute meals, I think that's a great example of, you know, stuff that um, I've seen people have a lot of success with, you know, like, what about if your blog was like 15 minutes or less? Like that's, I need to be able to make all these recipes in 15 minutes or less because I don't fucking have any energy for anything other than that. Five ingredients or less, right? Like how do I make a meal with five ingredients or less or plant-based or vegan or meal prep, budget recipes. There could be a fucking blog all about how to air fry everything. The air fryer everything blog, <laughs> you know? So there's so many different directions that you can take it in, but like lean in, lean into the niche. Like be so fucking clear on what it is that you do. You could do one for like slow cooker. You could do one for Instapots. Like, and then you can have the utensil or the appliance plus the cuisine and make it niche, right? So like it could be everything like Mediterranean in a slow cooker, okay? So that's how I want y'all to think. Like get drilled down. You should be able to perfectly describe your audience, because when you know who you're talking to, it's so easy to make content for them, right? Like I know exactly who I am talking to when I am creating blog content, when I am doing a podcast episode, because I know, I know my people. And I think that's also an important thing to do is like, get to know the people who are following your platforms, get to know the people who are leaving comments on your blog, who are sending you emails, who are sending you DMs, who are leaving reviews on your podcast or on your YouTube channel. Like those people are already invested in what you're doing. Ask them questions, poll, survey, email, ask all the things. You know, your niche doesn't have to be a cuisine. It doesn't have to be a type of, you know, diet. It could also be a specific group, an age group, right? Like there's so many options, y'all. So many options. Great ideas. I find it's easier to create content when you're passionate about it. Hell yeah. This is a must, okay? Like some of y'all just want to do a business because... I want to make money. And I promise you the same way that I thought that if I was making $100,000 a year in my job that I fucking hated, that I was going to love it. It's not true. And if you start a business off doing something that you're not really excited about, but you're just like, well, I heard this makes money, not the vibe. Because I promise you in the beginning of any business that you start, you're going to be doing that shit for free. 
So I hope that you're passionate about it enough to do it for free because you're going to do it for free. That initial passion is what gets you through that phase of figuring things out, testing things out, deciding if this is the thing for you. And when folks ask me, you know, how did you get through those first two years of building your blog and not making a lot of money? And I'm like, because I loved it. I love like the act of content creation for me. It's how my soul is fed. I absolutely love creating something from nothing and having it manifest itself in some form. Whether that is a recipe, that is a podcast episode, a freaking TikTok, I love content creation. So I know like this is something that I can fucking see myself doing forever, you know, and even if I didn't make any money off of the, the podcast, I would still be doing it because I always have walked into these projects without actually knowing what the end result would be. But I knew that I cared enough about it to see it through. Let's see. That's me. I love cooking and posting, but I'm struggling growing. So Eats by Kelsey. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the consistency and SEO, you got to start looking at your analytics. You got to start seeing like what's actually happening with your content. Where is it being picked up? How are folks finding it? What content is resonating? That data analytics, that back end work of knowing like what's happening with the content that you create is also really important because it helps give you insight into the content that you should continue to create and the stuff that you should just be like, nah, not going to work, you know? So having that uh, level of granularity in your data, super important. It's a must. What companies do you recommend for sending blast emails? So I'm Sweetest Sin one. I'm assuming you're asking about email marketing companies or like email marketing platforms. My favorite, especially for beginners, is MailerLite.com. A lot of the times when y'all are asking me like what my favorite tools are, these are all tools that are listed in my money tools section. So you can go to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash money tools and find my favorite business tools, blogging tools, credit cards, investing tools, self-care, travel stuff. Go YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash money tools. You'll find so many things there. MailerLite.com is my favorite email marketing platform for beginners because it's super user-friendly. It is free for, I think the first 1000 subscribers that you have, like you can have a free account. Once you're past a thousand, then they start charging you. Like, I think it starts at like 10, $15 a month. It's super cheap. It's the cheapest platform that I've found for email marketing. And for me, it's very intuitive. They have drag and drop functions where you can just build out your newsletters. You can do automations. You can do landing pages. Love it. It's what I've been using for nine years now. You know, ConvertKit, MailChimp. Active, uh, what is it? Active campaign or activate campaign. There's like so many different ones, but I haven't found any that I like more than mail or light just because it's super intuitive for me. And I hate email marketing. Like it stresses me the fuck out. So I'm like, I need an easy tool. <laughs> I need an easy tool that's easy to understand. Would short workouts for busy moms be niche enough? So fit by fit with Erica, I would recommend doing some initial research. When you're thinking about your niche, find out what's actually in existence right now. I imagine that, you know, when it comes to workouts, I think a lot of people, when they want to take in content around fitness, they want to see the actual exercise executed, right? So it's like, how do I know I'm doing this right? I would think that having a YouTube channel in addition with your blog is probably going to be really critical because you want to be able to embed these videos that you're going to create of the workouts in your blog posts. So that's just something to think about. But I would start with doing some initial research on like what's the existing content for busy moms who want, you know, those rapid workouts and how am I going to 
you know, differentiate myself. How did I feel when my blog made bank? <laughs> Honestly, it felt like what the fuck is happening? I feel like I've unlocked the key to life because this thing that I created is now paying my bills. My blog allowed me to quit my job and it's like, what? How is this real life? So that moment, I think when I first got, I remember very distinctly when I got my first sponsored blog post deal, I think it was like $125. And I was like, oh my God, these people are going to pay me to create sponsored content and like talk about their brand. What? I felt like I was so proud of myself because I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like legit a business owner now. I'm like making money from things that I've created. This is so nuts. So I can't tell y'all like, you know, how emotional it is when you have created something that people are willing to pay you for. That shit hits different. Honestly, it does not hit the same as a paycheck because, you know, like everything, every moment, every sacrifice, every struggle, every doubt that you went through to get to a place where now you have monetized this thing, it's, it's incredible. I, it's the feeling that I got addicted to very early on. And I'm like, you know what? I want to keep doing this. I want to, I want to be that person who can become a money printer. Like I'm going to be my own fucking paycheck. And, you know, through the struggles, through the doubts, through the fears, through the breaks, through the tears, it was something transformational. It unlocked something inside of me that I was like, I don't ever want to let go of that feeling of being able to print my own money. And that's what becoming a blogger did for me. That's what being an entrepreneur is about. Yes, that shit hits different when somebody pays you for the work that you've done creating this brand. You know, it's wild. How do you structure your days? For example, do you have certain day of the week dedicated to blogging, podcasting, etc.? Yes, I love this question. This is so good. So I'm going to tell y'all, you know, when I first became fully self-employed, this was May of 2021. The first thing I did for a couple of weeks was honestly like nothing. I was like baking bread. I was in the kitchen, like cooking, chilling, laying outside, just like, holy fucking shit. This is my life. I can't believe this. What do I do with myself? Not that I don't have to wake up with an alarm. But then I quickly realized, okay, wait, there's like things to do. We got, we got things to do, honey. So we need some kind of structure. So when I first started, I was not put, I did not put a lot of structure into like separating out what days were for what. And I found myself quickly getting overwhelmed. So, you know, there would be days where I have a podcast episode, then I had a business meeting, then I had a coaching call, then I had this and this and that. And I was like, wait a minute, like my brain cannot be continuously switching between all of these tasks all of the time. And so now what I've done is I've structured my week so that I know exactly like depending on the day of the week, what is happening. So for me, Mondays are podcast recording days. I will never have business meetings or meet with clients or do any of that stuff on Mondays. Like podcast day is Monday. That's it. On Tuesdays, I typically will catch up on administrative stuff, you know, checking emails, working on, you know, backend stuff with my website or preparing for like a launch or whatever. And so that's that. Wednesdays is usually like my content creation day. So this will be the day that like I did my hair, makeup, I got all cute. I banged out like 10 TikToks that I have now in my draft folders. And so now I have content like that's prepared for the next week or so. And that's that. Wednesdays is also the day that I have dedicated to my live coaching calls for my blog students. So I know Wednesday is always going to be like my 
blog bootcamp live call. Thursday in the morning, I typically meet with my social media manager and we plan out the content for the following week, what we're gonna talk about, what we're focusing on. And then Fridays, I don't work. So Fridays are a deal breaker for me. It's like, no, we're not, we don't take meetings. We don't do shit. Fridays are me day. So I will go get a massage. I will go to the beach. I will go do something that has nothing to do with work. You know, I'll take myself out to lunch. I will go and walk the dogs. I will go sit in my hot tub. Fridays are when my my weekend has begun, essentially. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I really try not to do anything, you know, productive. Uh, you'll see me, like, sometimes I post stuff or I'll go on stories if I'm, like, traveling or doing things. But Monday through Thursdays are my work days. And, you know, obviously things change. You know, projects come up. Like these past couple of weeks, I've been working on a consulting project that has, you know, added stuff to my plate. When it comes to, you know, doing podcast recordings, when people ask me to be on podcasts or to be on their whatever, do interviews, those are typically done between like Tuesday and Thursday. But I'm I'm really strict about the podcast scheduling because I feel like I'm the most energized on a Monday. So I want to have the most energy for when I'm recording podcast episodes with my guests, just so that I make sure that I'm giving them 110%. But that's a little bit of how I structure things. You know, another thing I will say is you also have to give yourself some flexibility with your structure. And if you find that, you know, let's say on a random day as a business owner, like the night before, you didn't get enough sleep, you're fucking tired, you got your period, whatever, you don't feel good, you can also give yourself permission to be like, I'm not doing shit today. All the things that I said I was going to do today, canceled, rebook. Sorry, not sorry. Got to protect my energy, you know, and my, my assistant, aka my sister, I will be like, you know what, can you rebook this meeting? Can you cancel this? Cause I'm, I'm fucking tired. I don't feel good. We're not doing this today. And, you know, have some grace because the same way that you would call in sick at work, if you have the opportunity, you can also call in sick on your business and don't feel guilty about it too, because it's up to you to enforce those boundaries because nobody's going to force you to take the day off. Nobody's going to force you to take PTO. <laughs> See, she said, I am the queen of canceling. I'll be real quick. I'm like, nah, don't feel like it. Not doing it. Sorry, not sorry. Please move this meeting because, you know, but I also live and die by my Google calendar. If it's not on my calendar, I'm not showing up. <laughs> and sometimes shit doesn't show up on my calendar, even though it should be like today I had a meeting at three 30 that I had no fucking idea was there. But then my sister's like, Hey, are you calling into this meeting? And I'm like, what meeting? <laughs> so get yourself a virtual assistant. Y'all get yourself a virtual assistant because there's a lot to keep track of <laughs> as a business owner. Absolutely. Don't have guilt about having boundaries. Y'all boundaries are like the way that you show love to yourself. Honestly. All right, guys, this has been fun. Thank you so much for your amazing questions. And so I'm going to continue to invite y'all to ask questions. We're going to start doing weekly Q and A's in the Instagram stories. I want y'all to ask questions because we're going to start a new series on the podcast of like, basically ask me anything. So we're going to do, you know, like the reader mailbag and you guys can ask your questions and we're going to answer them on the podcast. So super excited about that. So you'll see more information about that in the stories. And in the meantime, I hope that y'all have an amazing rest of your week. I hope that you are staying safe, that you are protecting your peace, and that you are doing things that are going to calm you, mind, body, and soul, because this world is ghetto. This world is ghetto, and we need to protect our energy, our peace, our sanity. So with that being said, love y'all. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Adios. We'll talk soon. Bye. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14 page guide, The Financially Lit Latina The Ultimate Blueprint for Becoming Poderosa with Your Dinero. This 14 page guide includes our best tips on money mindset budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered. Stay inspired and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.